This is Rugga Matrix America. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Alex Goff talking to you on on my own this time, just uh, doing a quick little show because we did that. We're going to make the show uh, a single interview uh, coming up with Billy Millard, who's got several jobs with USA Rugby. Number one being the USA Under Twenty head coach, but also assistant coach with the Senior Eagles and head of the High Performance Pathway. We're going to talk to him about two of those jobs right after this. Want to find out what's going on next in American Rugby News? Check out information coming up very soon on my Twitter feed, at GoffOnRugby. That's at G-O-F-F-O-N-R-U-G-B-Y. And uh, big news there. Now back to the show. All right, well, this is Alex Goff, and I'm with Billy Millard, who has... uh, it seems like four or five or six or seven different jobs with USA Rugby, but the the latest, most recent job was head coach of the USA Under-20s back from the Junior World Rugby Trophy. And, Billy, uh, thanks for taking the time. No worries, Alex. Uh, Billy, so third place of the Junior World Rugby Trophy. Uh, you had a couple of games that were razor thin that you won. And um, uh, perhaps in the end, the the one disappointment for you might be the loss to Tonga. Uh, but uh, tell me what you thought overall about the performance from the guys. Yeah, I think I went into it with unknown expectations because I'd come on late and the group had been put together late. Um, we we did scrape through a couple of games. It was it was very evident early that this group had a pretty tight bond in the short time they'd been together and they were, they were willing to, to work really hard. Um, it was also very evident that their core skill execution was something that we needed more time on. Um, and that was probably the, the biggest eye-opener for me, just where the core skills are with, the, with this group. Um, they were pretty honest about that as a group and... And to win games, we knew we had to outwork teams first and foremost. And they did that. And and you're right, the Tongan game was disappointing because Georgia and Uruguay were a better team than Tonga. We managed to get the job done against those two, but um, we we fell off the the ball a little bit against Tonga in a few areas and and came back in the game a little bit too late. So overall, um, we we were happy with third. I think Japan were the standout team. And it would have been nice to get to the final, but I don't think we would have had enough to win it, to be honest. Now, in in the game against Uruguay, which was the third place game, uh, you won it, I believe it was 25-24. And um, one of the things about that is you actually only scored the one try. It was uh, five penalty goals, if memory serves, perhaps six from uh, from Ben Seema. Uh, how, yeah. you know, we, we, that's, talk about skills first of all it's great to have a goal kicker how important is it even at the under 20 level to have someone who can kick goals um regularly like that it's it's crucial i mean yeah. it was i've never seen ben play and and his goal kicking is extraordinary for a young kid who 
really doesn't practice at that professional level. Anything within 55 metres, we were running the tee out into the wind, across the wind, whatever. Um, and his general field kicking needs a lot of work, but the distance he can get is huge. So, again, with the limited preparation, we based the game plan around that. I actually had a coffee with Mike Tolkien in Manhattan the other day before um, for the weekend and just told him that if Ben stays with it, you know, we can really... He, he can be a world-class kicker and we could base a game around that. Um, the 20s, we did it with the 20s and, and got those results. So we maybe were a little bit... Um, uh, held things in the pocket a bit against Uruguay. We could have made maybe kick for touch and, and pushed it. But again, our line-out wasn't functioning that well and we just needed to keep that scoreboard ticking. It was a strange game because there was a lot of fights and, and it was very stop-start. But uh, ben, Ben's kicking was crucial in every game. How how similar is it, the, the Uruguay game, to the, the senior national team playing Uruguay? A little bit similar. They are a very good team. We we saw them all week and they're very very professional around the hotel. They they played differently to their national team in that they had a little bit more. I think they had, their skill level was a little bit better. Um, very aggressive, not as hard at the breakdown or as smart at the breakdown. But they've got a good group coming through. So for them, it's um it's there's some good depth coming through, but. We, we touched on the Uruguay game and tried to get a few parallels. Um, but to be honest, the, the 20s group were just... Um, by the time that last game came, they were all pretty bruised and battered and, and pretty used to our simple game plan. So we didn't look at Uruguay. We didn't. The coaches didn't throw the Uruguay um, preview too much at the boys. We just concentrated on what we were doing well. Right, good. Now, you, you talked about not having a lot of time, and um, that is true... You know, ideally, um, and and certainly correct me if I'm wrong, but ideally you'd have a a, a recruiting process, a scouting process, starting in June with uh, um, the All Americans and the, um, the the collegiate All Americans, even and um, All Star uh, championships on on the under 19 level. Uh, start to let potential players know what the process is through the fall, and you have a coach in place. And you weren't yes. in place really until the end of the year. There was nothing really done with any of that group until the end of the year. You re- basically lost five, six months. Uh, yes. And that's part of the reason of you know missing time. And let's put aside yes. for the moment the fact that you might have selected some different players. I don't want to turn to the players who played their guts out in Hong Kong and say, yes. you shouldn't have been there. What I'm... But, but, but first of all, there could have been better competition for those players going in, and also just they would have had more time together to know um, something about the game plan and about each other and, and being part of that team. Is that is that what you're looking at, what you need? Yeah, we, we Luke Gross and, and Mike Winglebrook, we, we had some, and David Williams, we spoke a lot about this in Hong Kong, and our main focus was when we get back, we hit the ground running. I, I think Michael and Salty, that did a did a good job at Christmas um, with with obviously I was wasn't on board yet. Um, the there's eleven, maybe twelve, definitely eleven players backing up from the group we had, 
Um, a lot of them, with another year under their belt, will will come back better. And there's a good group coming through the high school All-Americans now. So I need to spend as much time with that group for identification purposes, but also helping Michael and Salty with their preparations and so that when we do select a team, you know, we want to select this squad as soon as possible and then just get into that core skills development. Uh, spent a lot of time with Kieran Crowley and Mike Shelley who were in the same hotel with Canada and we spoke about some things we can do that will give, you know, our preparation a, a big boost on what we just did um, at a pretty low cost. So, yeah, we, we've come back with a bit of a game plan and and amongst that, I'm keen to unearth. I'm heading over to the West Coast in a couple of weeks um, to meet and see some people and to unearth some some other players. One of our best players was, was a gentleman called Ben Tarr who came over from Australia at the last minute. We didn't get, we, we weren't aware of him um, basically until we got on the plane, but we had a prop injury as soon as we got there, and and he he was outstanding as an Australian schoolboy, and you know we. I don't think we've we've investigated that either. That the Irish boys, um, the, the Australians, the, the guys who are eligible for USA. Now it might only be one or two, um, but if there's one or two out there and they're class players, we need to find them because we're now hoping that Ben is in the pipeline to to be tight head for the Eagles. You know, in the next sort of two or three four years. So there's a whole lot to do and. Um, Looking forward to getting into it. Uh, Are you going to be coach? Yeah, I'm in in this role with USA Rugby. It's a funny one because I don't want to take away that position for a a good local USA coach. So I'm definitely going to stay heavily involved and and be involved at every assembly. But it would be good to take away. It was great having Michael Inglebert there and Luke Gross I think there's an opportunity to take another up-and-coming USA coach and get him in the system. I, I, I certainly don't want to um, hog that position. It happened in Australia. Um, the high-performance coaches were coaching that position. I, I just think it's a such a quality tournament and a high-end tournament for someone to, to come and experience and develop. So I'm sort of looking for, for one or two guys to come in and, and work with me. Um, next year and, and use it as a development for coaches as well. All right, good. Now, you um, you mentioned looking for talent that's based overseas that, uh, you know, um, is U.S. eligible. And, and I think that it, it's, a, it's a funny thing, perhaps funnier in the United States than it is in, in other places where some people get upset about that. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, my, my own background, you know, I wasn't – I wasn't good enough to look at that stuff. And I was also born too early. They didn't have an age grade program. But uh, my background was as a, as a child of American parents born in, in England, uh, growing up with the game in England, um, that, you know, I always considered myself an American. And, I, I, and I'm sympathetic to kids who grow up overseas who still consider themselves American. And you look at Madison Hughes, who may have an English accent, but has been a United States player since he was 1617 um people people shouldn't turn their nose up at that um but there is that that um issue of the hired hand and maybe at the age grade level it's less of an issue but there are there are guys who are really they're looking for 
one cap, so that can help them get a yeah. contract. Or they're even not even looking for a cap. You mean you, you've probably heard of stories of players who basically say they're interested, so it gets announced that they're on a on a training camp, and that's just a bargaining chip for them to get a better deal yeah. with their pro club. Um, are you are you savvy to that? It seems to be a little bit more, I don't know, well noticeable with the United States that people feel like, you know, no, we can be manipulated. Yeah. De- definitely. Um, I, li- I like to think that, and in this new role, I get emails every day from people overseas. It's it's the ones like Ben Tarr that I'm interested in because he he's with the Queensland Reds. He's been playing senior rugby at Tighthead Prop for South in Brisbane. Like you only need to make one or two phone calls these days anywhere in the world to to get a rap on a kid. He he his character and what he did within the team what he did to change the scrum in the team just because of his knowledge and experience, I reckon develop those forwards just as much as what you know, myself and Luke Gross and Michael did. So, you know, certainly our backyard is what we need to look after. Um, but if, if there's some, some guys out there, the AJ McGinty's, the, the Ben Tars, um, one of Christian Weasling, who, who was with us, who's South African, who's now living... Um, in uh, in, the, in the states, and and it's interesting what you said there that that uh, Ben Tarr actually got up when he first got there and he spoke about what his origins to the USA were and where his parents come from and grandparents and where he lived when he was first born and how he'd like to come and and do some more study here. So definitely, you need to do your homework. You you don't want your guys coming in uh, willy nilly. Um, ben had opportunities in Australia and still maybe maybe has, but he uh, he was the right character to come in, and and I think, you know, we we need to to keep an eye on one eye on that rather than um, trying to chase chase a whole group. Right. Um, and 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 it needs to be. You, you still also have to have that message to any player in the United States. Um, it's not like you're going to go through all this process of trying out for a team, only to have someone plucked from somewhere else and take your place. Those guys have to try out too. There's still, I mean, in the end, it's blind talent evaluation. Definitely. We, we had a lot of guys, a lot of overseas guys come to the San Diego camp. And I think they even went to the Christmas camp, the original one with Michael and Salty. And, and a lot of them, and then I met a lot of them in San Diego, you know, five or six kids from overseas. And, and they weren't as good as our local lads. So, they made the effort to come over here. They they paid their own way and put themselves forward. They were eligible, um, but definitely it's uh, it's it's something they need to they need to get over to the camps and prove themselves. And some of them made it. Um, a lot of them didn't. And uh, you know it's the same it's the same anywhere, Alex. Like, like you get the same um, people coming from from overseas and different eligibilities in every country. And at the end of the day, you just got to give everyone a, a fair chance and, and, and pick your best, best group. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we will be talking with Billy Millard about a couple of other things uh, with regard to his work with USA Rugby. This, this is Alex Goff on Rugby Matrix America. Hey, everybody. This is Alex Goff from RugbyMag.com. And I want to ask you a question. When was the last time your team took a tour? 
You remember how fun it was, you know, the games against teams you'd never seen before, experiencing a new culture, the camaraderie, and team bonding. It was great. Wait, you haven't been on a tour? Well, maybe you should. Irish Rugby Tours has been involved with American Rugby since 1985. Owner George Hook offers a personal and dedicated approach to all tours. He wants to make sure you play competitive games, see the sights, and enjoy every minute of your trip. From high schools to clubs, and from colleges to the U.S. All-Americans, Irish Rugby Tours is the tour operator of choice. Ireland's premier rugby tour operator gives you on-the-ground and local support. They have the best value around, and they can set you up with coaching sessions with top international coaches. They don't just send you on the tour and leave you alone. They make sure it all works out from the beginning to the end. Go to irishrugbytours.com to see the list of American teams that have enjoyed tailor-made packages from Irish Rugby Tours, or check out their ad on rugbymag.com. Don't you deserve a tour? IrishRugbyTours.com. Okay, we're back with Billy Millard. And, Billy, I, I thought it was very interesting that you mentioned at the, at the Junior World Rugby Trophy that Kieran Crowley was there with the Canadian team. Kieran Crowley is, is the head coach of the, the Canadian men's 15s team. But you can see Crowley uh, all over the place. He'll be, he'll be accompanying the 7s team. Uh, he'll be with the age grade team. He's always everywhere. He's sort of serving as a director of coaching. Um, but that's not to say that somebody wasn't doing that for USA Rugby because um, you have that kind of role with USA Rugby. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, we're still, we're still getting our head, head around the exact role, but it's pretty much mapped out now. Um, I'm still coaching the, the Eagles, as the uh, the backs coach and assisting Mike Tolkien and the boys there, which has been really enjoyable. Um, and the, the national high performance pathway role is to to from the outset look at the entry into the high schools program up to the 20s through to the the, the college uh, all Americans and through to the ARC and the Eagles and. In that is everything from selections to coaching appointments to coaching support to the programming and and just being a, a common link throughout all the programs. Um, it's a it's it's a pretty it's a pretty big job when you know you're coaching the 20s as well and, and helping out with the Eagles. Yeah, it's it's a role that 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 I'm doing on the 15 side. Alex Alex's role. Um, on the seven side, we just spent two days together going through a whole lot of stuff. And, you know, the first thing we're doing is we're looking at a national team's um, skills model on on just how how we want to coach the skills from the breakdown to the common terminology between, you know, defence and ball carry and and what skills do we, do we want um, the boys to focus on um, how are we going to teach kicking in the country? Just so that if Ben Seymour, for example, if he's taught most of this stuff um, in the high school All-Americans, now I know they're doing it down there, but just tidying up the terminology, um, looking at, at one way to, to talk about the breakdown, talk, looking at one way with Phil Bailey that, that he wants to see the defence going, and filtering that down through the grade so that when Benny Seymour comes through, hopefully from the high school All-Americans, up to the Eagles, he's not learning new things as he goes. He's just probably 
looking at them in more depth. Um, so that's that's sort of the first thing I'm looking at. Um, obviously, looking forward to, to seeing Matt Sherman's group um, at the upcoming uh, college or American games. I've had a good look at the 20s and and managed to, to spend some good time with Michael from from the High School Americans program. So, yeah, just being that common link to start with throughout all the national teams. So there's a there's a commonality in the pathway. It, it comes down to as much you're 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 trying to keep track of players and trying yep. to keep track of how those players are taken care of. And we talked about that a while ago, but it's also like you said, terminology, making it so that every time they show up at a training, new coach, new camp, new level of play, they go, oh, yeah, right, I remember that. That means I do this. Exactly. And I think you don't want to take away the flexibility of the coaches. You want them to have their own stamp on different ways to plan for a game and, and different what different drills and bits and pieces. But you do need some common traits throughout it all. And, and it allows... It allows Phil Bailey to go down to a high school American camp and and not talk alien. You know uh, that that we need to start getting that cross pollination between the um, the groups. There, there's a couple of the 20s boys that are going to be invited to the upcoming Eagles camp, and everything, or not everything, but most things we did in in Hong Kong. Um, I'm very confident that'll make it easy for them to adjust um, at the next level up at the Eagles camp. So. Um, it's it's a great role. It's an exciting role, and, and I I think it, it you know can add value to um, to USA Rugby reasonably quickly um, with with good communication and 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 a bit of hard work. Um, by the way, uh, just as clarity, you said Alex earlier. You mean Alex Magleby with the the Sevens program, and and he's working on that job there. Uh, yeah. um, so. It's interesting because you're now in a situation where um, w- coaching with the Eagles, you're looking short-term. Let's win this weekend. Um, perhaps a little bit more long-term now that the World Cup qualification is done, but it, let's win this weekend. But the the high-performance pathway manager, it's very much long-term. Is that correct, or is, is there sort of a, a place where they overlap? No, Definitely. Definitely, um, and I think that's what works well. Tox is always, even though, though at the Eagles level we need to win those short-term games. Uh, every conversation we have on tour, and even for coffee the other day with Mike, it's it's all about looking forward. And his interest in the twenties and below is massive because you know it's important that 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 I can come back from the twenties camp and say, here's five players. Look, they're not going to be ready for the next World Cup, but not far off. And, and he has trust in, in I know what he's looking for and, and he knows what, what, what my eyes like and, and we've got that relationship. So, and it's the same downwards, you know, just spending time with the, with the coaches, with Michael Nilbert, you know, now he knows what I'm looking for. So, so right from the start, having that common thread throughout the national teams, um, it, it, I think it helps short term, but, but also it, it does help long term. Good. Uh, do you see? Okay. Um, you, you saw the level of talent at Junior World Rugby Trophy. You saw. You said Japan was the class, class of the competition. Um, yeah. You know the level that's up at the Junior World Championships, where most of the players are. 
professional or semi-professional in academy systems for major teams. Yep. So, so where where does the United States fit in all this? Are we? Um, well, I, I suppose it's two questions. One, why are we not quite as good as Japan at the moment on the yep. U twenty level? Um, and and for that matter, why are we not as good as Japan at the moment on the senior level? I think I think they have their competition over there. That professional league they run is is a strong competition with strong foreigners and their local boys get to play, you know, a pretty high standard and have that professional full time environment. Um, Eddie Jones has been driving that for a while. He's got he's got good coaches around him there. The university system in Japan is is outstanding, always has been. So I think they're getting their their university college students are getting pretty high end games and and training. I, I think they'll struggle going up. Um, but out of all the teams that were at our the, the Hong Kong tournament, they were they were the one team that you know they they stood out um, compared to the rest. They they had a couple of uh, players. That were next level, and um, they were very well drilled. So uh, even though I say that they were the, the standout team to go up, I think they'll struggle. Um, it's a huge jump between as they, as uh, the the 20s found out last year. It's a massive jump from where we just played to playing Australia, England, Wales, New Zealand, South Africa. Um, so I, I think I've said it before. I think that Hong Kong tournament is absolutely perfect for where we're at. It's it's a stretch for the boys. They have to really go up a level. Um, it's it's four games and they got a couple of days off, but you know we pushed them very hard, and every game was close. We 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 you know as we said we should have beaten Tonga, but we could have easily lost all three of them if we went on our medal. So it's a very even contest and. And I think from a development purpose, it's it's perfect for where where we are at the moment. Uh, you, you, Billy, you mentioned uh, basic skills and and how players need work on on basic skills. What is it that they can do at home? What is it that their home coaches can do uh, to get them to be, you know, a little bit more polished when they come into camp? I think it's less less patterns and little things like. Li- Breaking it down, lifting and speeding the air in the line out, movement across the ground in the line out, and having that just doing some real core, hard, high intensity core skills in the line out. Forget the calling system, forget, um, forget having 15 different options, just getting the absolute basics and the speed in the air and, and skills on the delivery, obviously the line out throw. You know, line-out throwing was an issue for us, so that repetition and then bringing that together. Um, if you, when you when you watch the professional teams train, they probably spend the first 40 minutes just doing real basic, you know, primary school stuff, and then they get into their movements and their calls. So I think, you know, breaking the line-out down, that sort of thing. Um, patterns, patterns are almost irrelevant, I reckon. Like, we had a couple of nice little starter plays and patterns, but we only had one or two with a couple of different options. And the catch and pass, being able to execute four on twos, four on threes, um, being able to take a ball into massive contact and 
and get shoulders through and, and get a long place and been able to replicate um, that, that, that sort of scenario at training. With the 20s program, one of the things I spoke about with Luke Gross and, and Michael and a few of the others is that I think we're better off having high-intensity skill camps rather than going on tour. Yeah, you need games, but um, Canada went over on a, on a three-week journey to the UK just before Hong Kong and played you know, Leicester Academy and Sale Academy and, right. and one of the top universities over there, and, and they struggled. They, they played off with Hong Kong for the, for the last spot. And I think that we've got to be careful not to take this 20s group next year on, a, you know, on an all bells and whistles tour of Ireland and where we don't get to do this skill development. I'd rather have them three or four times for three days and, and get Mike Petrie in and, and um, a, a few of the senior Eagles in to work on their skills as well and, and get the halfbacks for two days and do a whole range of stuff and, and really just, just break it down and, and not worry so much about patterns and calling systems and, and different defence techniques depending on where we are on the field, you know, just, just breaking it down and, and working on fundamentals at a really high level and getting repetitions at it. Um, there's yeah. a whole lot to it, but that's, that's the basics. If, um, if you take sort of a, almost a, a sabermetric or, or money ball approach to it, you, you look at um, where are we weakest and then let's, let's work on those. And, and for me, you know, I, I, I notice three things that are, uh, and I'm, I'm leaving kicking out of it because I guess that's, that's a very specialized, but three things that I see, and maybe you see something different, but um, in the backs, as you said, executing an odd man rush, executing a two on one or a three on two or four on two, the idea that so many times I mean, up at the upper level, that's an enormously precious uh, that's an enormously uh, precious scenario that you have this uh, yeah. the, this overlap to to execute it correctly so the free man gets the ball and goes in and scores a try is yeah. enormously crucial and yeah. you see it squandered so often. Then on the forwards, um, I would say um, finding ways to prevent the opposition from killing the ball in the ruck uh, so that we're not complaining about them killing it or lying on it or something, but do something to make that ball available faster. And then for everybody, yeah. security of the ball in contact, not knocking it on. And it seems that if you have a team that wants quick ball and gets it, when they have it and they have an overload, they don't squander it. And when they're tackled, they don't drop it. Th yeah. Those those are the mistakes I keep writing about. So I guess that's why I mentioned those. Yeah, and they're the mistakes that crop up in any team, to be honest. Um, and they're always going to be there, but you, you, you need to eliminate them and, and decrease them. And you're exactly right. I, I think taking it a step further is being being able to identify when you've got an overlap versus when you haven't. So you might have you might have a nine, a ten, an eight, a fullback, and a winger. And knowing the different scenarios of that ball's coming, whether we like it or not, and if there's an overlap been able to play it. If if the fullbacks come into the line and there's spacing behind, been able to identify it and know what to do. Um, as opposed to it's slow ball, it's coming anyway, they've got six, we've got five, and they've got line speed on us, and there's nothing in behind. So being able to replicate those situations in training 
over and over, not once or twice. It needs to be done, you know, 20, 30, 40 times um, a week or, 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 or a training group, a, tra- a training session, whether it's two or three days, and, and get the right people in that scenario as, mu- as much as possible. Um, and, and you're exactly right. Ball retention is crucial. Um, I think a few of our young boys struggle with the physicality of the Tongans and, and the Georgians and Uruguay, and our turnover rate was pretty high. But let's replicate that physicality at, um, at the training level. Let's get some Eagles into to the 20s camp and some, some college All-American older boys into the 20s camp so that when they are running these four-on-four full-contact drills, that they're not going up against the reserves or the guys who can't quite make the 20s. They're going up against guys who have the same physicality, if not a bit more than them. So their, their skills have to be watertight and they have to do all the right little things. So I think um, I, I think that's sort of the right approach. Obviously, you need, need games in between that. Um, but that's the focus that I've got for this 20s group and then take it for one or two games somewhere rather than go on a, a four-week tour, play some great games in great locations, but really those same mistakes are going to keep cropping up. Definitely. Uh, I've, the, and it's been said before, and I remember uh, uh, former Eagles coach Tom Billups would say sometimes, we don't necessarily need to play more, but it's about sometimes training more or training together more. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Of the people you had training, uh, you, uh, you mentioned Ben Tarr, but uh, what, who are some of the players? We talked a little bit about Ben Sima, but uh, who are some of the players that that uh, turned your head with the U20s? Yeah, I think I think to, to be honest, I had a soft spot for them all. They all had different strengths and weaknesses. Obviously, some stood out on the field, and and a lot of guys who didn't get much of a run were were outstanding off the field and. Um, it was a pleasure to coach this group. I think the guys that that did well on the field, uh, Ben Pinkelman was outstanding. I thought he was the player of the tournament. He's he's one that, that I have spoken to all sorts of people about. Um, he's a great kid, all business, and he played six for us, and he's, he's probably an out-and-out six. He was outstanding. Um, Peter Malcolm came away as a backup hooker that had to jump in at number eight. Um, he was he was a bit of a surprise packet, very physical. Um, again, just just a hard worker and and could maybe I think he's a seven or, or maybe a two. Um, but he's he's one that I think could develop over the next couple of years. Uh, is, Mike, is, Mike, that, is Mike Tolkien's yelling two two two? <laughs> Yeah, well, he's Maybe. got a nice throw in him. He's he's yeah. got a nice throw in him. It's just it's just now linking that into yeah. to to how that fits into a lineout. But uh, you know, it depends on. I, I think someone like that, he goes back to his club team or high school team, college team, sorry, and and he could probably play anywhere. To be honest, he'd probably right. play him at nine or ten or twelve. Um, so I don't know if he's going to get that time at two. But that again, that's something that I need to need to work with him and his coaches about. Um, guys like Cody Jones at Hooker was great around the grounds. Um, Billy, um, the young lad from Washington, D.C., uh, sorry, uh, up Seattle way, he, um, he was outstanding until he, he got a, a knee injury. 
Um, young Hanko, I can't pronounce his surname, but um, Herm- Hanko Hermeshes. That's that's the one uh, from Nebraska. He uh, he's a young. He's seventeen. He's got another two years in the twenties. He's he's a very physical, hard worker who who came on leaps and bounds with his game sense. He's definitely one for the future. And um, there's a couple other forwards there that our four pack was good. It was hard working and in the backs probably been seen as the one that we really want to just just keep keep working with for the next couple of years. Again, he's got another two years in the 20s. Um, he was outstanding and Dave Williams needs to work with him on some strength and conditioning, but um, he's going to be an exciting prospect over the next couple of years as well. Uh, good and and we and just to clarify, you mentioned uh, uh, Vili Tolutau, who uh, is um, uh, out with uh, Central Washington University. So that was uh, the number eight. The heart, so. and, the heart and soul of the twenties. He was the <laughs> uh, he, he was the man on the bus, and and he's a very good player. He he just got a bad knock on his knee that really set him back. And you need those guys. You need the guy who's you know sort of uh, like the the emotional center of a team. Yeah, exactly. We had a few of them, but he uh, he was a great great guy to have on tour and definitely one that, that we're keeping an eye on over the next couple of years. All right. All right. Well, it uh, sounds pretty exciting, uh, Billy. And you did, uh, I, I think most people would say, you did a terrific job to get the team to finish third because, as we saw, Canada has a good team and Canada uh, finished seventh. Um, and it is very difficult uh in this tournament to continue to win games and, um, and to finish third, I think uh, people should be very proud of that. Yeah, it was great. Great, Alex. And obviously the management team, uh, I pushed them hard and they worked real hard. They were fantastic as well. It's interesting, mate, uh, just one thing I forgot to mention that we're just waiting to see what the qualification is for next year. Ah. Um, Obviously the way it's sort of been panned out with, us hosting, then us coming down. Um, we're just waiting with 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 the Canadians. We're just waiting to hear back from the IRB um, on what's what's happening going forward. Whether you have to play your way in, or whether uh, you know you whether you you can host, yeah, or exactly. Host? Yeah, yeah, okay. Exactly. We're just both of us. We're, we're and, and the IRB have been great. They're talking to us a lot. We're just just waiting to see what the what the outcomes are and if, if anything needs to be done for next next year. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, Billy Millard, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Alex. Right. Cheers. Thanks. And that'll do it for Rugger Matrix America. This is Alex Goff telling you, don't forget to check out Rugger Matrix America, the international show, and Rugger Matrix, the international show, and Rugger Matrix America on the iTunes store and also on RuggerMatrix.com. Check out my Twitter feed at, at Goff on Rugby just to see what's going on. And thanks for listening to Rugga Matrix America. Mm-hmm.